This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Mailbag. Nothing personal word of the day. Mailbag. Summer vacation. Mailbag marathon. So I went on Twitter and asked you to send me questions. Normally, I take questions on Apple. When you go on Apple Podcasts and you can subscribe and rate and review. And within the review, ask a question. I look at those. I looked at a bunch of Twitter questions. I try to do once a month we're answering a bunch of your questions, ones that don't make it into the show because they're not relevant for a specific topic of a specific day, but they're subjects that can last a while. So when I'm going to be away for a while, we're going to record a couple of these for your listening and viewing pleasure on Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel and wherever you get your podcasts. I think there's going to be commercial breaks, but I don't think I'm going to interrupt myself to tell you to wear Express or listen to Sonos or do whatever else someone else gets paid for me to say. And I just want to get right into it because these are fun. You guys came up with some. Coca tried to theme the episodes. We'll see if that works because often my brain goes in 15 different directions. Shocking. And I don't know what I'm going to answer at any particular time until Coca yells at me. One of the best tweets we got, Coca, is someone who confirmed that you're real. I still can't figure out for the life of me why people don't know, maybe because you haven't been on camera, maybe because they don't believe that in about 70 episodes or so, there will be a Samson sit down with you where you can tell your life story and everything that makes you uncomfortable. And you can talk about how you're stuck with me every day and how I make you completely insane, which I do. Can you imagine having to deal with me all day, every day? Hey, David. Hey. It doesn't guarantee that you're going to make the mailbag mail. That's it. You win, Coca. You said in the first five minutes, I'm going to say mailbag bone guy. It doesn't guarantee you'll be in the mailbag bonus 60, 62, 69 episode. But you start with, hey, David. My mother would say, hey's for horses. Hey, David. My favorite podcast to listen. My question for Samson. Why do teams still offer massive contracts if they rarely pan out? Is it to appeal to the fans or do they truly believe it will work out somehow? History shows us that it doesn't. So why does the trend continue? I want to take you inside the brain of a president and inside the brain of an owner 
and inside the room of an owner's meeting. I have touched on this, but maybe not in as much detail as I'd like to because owners do listen to this show and executives and people within Major League Baseball. Sometimes they get a little upset and concerned when I'm talking about things they don't want me to talk about. Wait till they get a load of this. I don't think I could find the word in the English language, but maybe Coca can while we're talking. A thesaurus, a word for megalomaniac, egomaniacal, super ego. That would be a great Marvel character. Super ego. Maybe that's one of the character in The Boys, that great series where the people go crazy, where the superheroes are not good guys. I cannot tell you enough what is ego and the size of ego that exists in professional sports. So having been in that universe for high years, I was able to watch myself from outside myself and watch myself change over the course of the years. I started so young, wanted to prove myself, ended up leaving older 18 years later. And I would look at people who I had heard of before I got into baseball and owners and executives and GMs and players. And I was just starstruck and awestruck and totally impressed. These are unbelievable people. And I find people say to me like, wow, you were the president of a team for so long. I love you, Samson. Or, oh, you're the president of a team for so long. I hate you, Samson. I never understood that on either side. I never believed the love or the hate, which is how I was able to survive both the hate and the hate and the hate, thick skin. But the ego means that everything that we think we are doing is right. And every time someone says that we're doing something that isn't right, we say, no, you're the problem, not me. This player's not ready for the big leagues. Yes, he is. I'm right. You're wrong. He wasn't ready. My God, he just sucks. It's not that you were right that he wasn't ready. It's that you were wrong in how you developed him and told me he was going to be a good player. The agent says he's not going to sign for under six years. I don't believe you. Is that true? I'm going to collude if that's possible. Hello, anybody there? Anybody going to sign Jose Reyes for a hundo? Anybody? Hey, Jeff and Fred, do you want him back? You going to pay him that much? I didn't do that, but I wish I had. I really didn't do any collusion, by the way. Massive contracts come when you know that you have to have something, which is the single sentence that if you are a good executive, you do not utter. You don't think it. You don't believe it. This guy, David, you have no idea. The guy right now in high school in Carlsbad, California, this is the next Mike Trout. Oh my God, we got to have him. This 16 year old in the Dominican, he's got hands that are so soft. They'll make you sweat with anticipation and look at the power to say nothing of the arm. Hey, throw one in from right field. Throw one. Oh my God, look at that arm. You, I've never seen anyone like him. I've been doing this for 25 years. I've never seen someone like this. Pay the man his money. If I had a dime for every time I heard someone tell me I've never seen anyone like this, I'd have a lot of dimes, bags. So the reason why people sign players to massive contracts is because, is that, the reason is that, not the reason is because, sorry, Mr. Lin, the reason, 40, 29, the reason 
that we sign players to massive long-term contracts is that we are told and we believe that that player is the difference maker. We are one guy away. We're three guys away. If we have this guy, we're two guys away. We have a hole in our rotation. This man will fill it. Oi, do we have a problem in the middle of our order? That's a middle of the order bat. You need defense to win championships. The glove he has at third base, unbelievable. You got to be strong up the middle. We're looking for shortstop, second baseman, center fielder, and catchers. We need him. This guy's a center fielder. He's fleet of foot. That's a good one we hear. Fleet of foot. This guy is toolsy. It's another one we always hear. It's toolsy. He's a toolsy guy. Well, when you say all those things, you got to get him. Call up the agent. He's a free agent. Hey, what's it going to take to get Max Scherzer? Yeah, I think we're going to want 10 years, $300 million. Come on, man. You know we're not signing Scherzer till he's 39. We're not doing that. But this guy, there's 10 teams who want him. Do you want to win, agents say, and owners fall for that. Uh, like Steve-O and Jackass being shark bait. Uh, if you're not watching this, then you're not seeing me put my finger in my mouth, which totally grosses me out. I wish I had sanitizer with me, but I don't on my desk. Hold on, let me ask someone in the studio audience, may I get some sanitizer? Dontrell, Nolan, Muhammad, anyone? No, no, okay. 10 teams want them. You're gonna have to step up. You're gonna have to make yourself uncomfortable. Look at the way he takes care of himself. He's going to be fine. But wait, pitchers get Tommy John all the time. They're hurt. Yeah, but this guy, look at him. He has given you 30 starts a year. You want 200 innings? This is your guy. All right, we'll offer him five years for $150 million. Not, not going to happen. He's not going to take five years. We are told by Major League Baseball, we've got all the statistics that any deals for pitchers over five years, you're guaranteed to lose. Guaranteed. But then someone says, what about Verlander? What about Scherzer with the Nationals? And then we get a list of the myriad contracts that did not work out. How about the position player? We get the list. Nobody has those numbers for 10 years. Nobody has those numbers after 35. Well, maybe it's one person, but it's probably not going to be your person. So you sign them, you give in, you give over a hundred million to race. You give the extra year to Mark Burley. Nah, Mark Burley wanted to be in Florida, whatever. Mike Campton wanted to be in Denver because of the school system, whatever. Manny Machado wanted to be a Padre because he liked the farm system, whatever. Bryce Harper wanted to be a Philly because he enjoyed cheesesteak, whatever. Tatis said, I want to be a part of those Padres forever, whatever. Stanton, I love you, G. You know I do. I really do. Sometimes you listen, so I hope you're listening. You and I both know why you signed the long-term deal with the Marlins. You know I know. Now everybody knows because we made you an offer that you told me you were going to say yes to. And if you match it, say yeah. I'll say yes. If you go a dollar under, I'm going to say no. And we had to have you. Had to have you, G. So we gave you your number. Almost took down a whole franchise. Had to have you. Didn't want to get rid of another player. Didn't want to be known as the guy who couldn't sign his own free agents ever. Didn't want to have to make another Cabrera-type trade. Wanted to have a player go into the Hall of Fame as a Marlin. There's a reason for everything. 
And what agents do so well is they find a specific reason that a specific owner has for a specific player at a specific moment, and they get an extra year. They get an extra $4 million per year in average annual value. It happens every time we talk about it in owners' meetings. We know it's happening to us, but at this, I was going to say at the sperm of the moment. All right, we're in the first mailbag bonus episode of NPDS's summer vacation, or maybe it's the second or third or fourth or fifth. We don't know yet. The heat of the moment, Asia. It was the heat of the moment. I would sing that song during negotiations because we're all in heat. We're all in heat. You ever been to the zoo and seen a monkey in heat? Yeah, you can really tell, can't you? There's like some swalls going on and there's a lot of hopping and bopping. That's what owners are like when they need players. And then the contract doesn't work out and then the owner blames someone else and they sign the next guy to a massive contract. We know it doesn't pan out and we keep doing it. Have you ever seen in any other business anything so ridiculous where you know something doesn't work, but you do it again and again and again, because this time we're going to be right. I promise you the next free agent deal, the next long-term deal that your team signs, you're going to celebrate it. You're going to be thrilled. And then when the player stinks at the end of the contract or doesn't have good years in the middle of the contract, you're going to be angry that the team can't sign yet another player. And you'll forget about the fact they signed the first player and you'll be upset that they're not signing the next player. Cubs fans, he still have Jason Hayward. Really enjoy the show. Thank you. You've done a lot of negotiating in your career, quite true, also outside of my career. What is your negotiating style and what techniques would you recommend to the rest of us when negotiating anything in life? Oh, I like that question a lot, Coca. Okay. For those of you who think you only negotiate at work, wrong. We all negotiate all day, every day. It's all we do. I like people who say, listen, I'm not a good negotiator. Do you know what code is for people who are not good negotiators? They do what everybody else wants, never what they want, but they pretend it's what they want so they can live with themselves. There's a nice way to say that. That's flexible, malleable. Easygoing is another expression for people who are not good at negotiating. No, I'm easy. I'm whatever you want. Where do you want to go to dinner? Wherever you want, I don't care. What do you want for dinner? I don't care. Whatever you want. What movie do you want to see? Doesn't matter to me. What do you want to see? I wouldn't mind eating at a Mexican restaurant. Oh, you want sushi? Great. I'll do sushi. I'm easygoing. Oh, you want to stay in a hostel? No problem. I'm not going to be hostile toward a hostel. I'm fine. I understand I prefer the Ritz, but I'll do a hostel. Negotiating is what you do to get what you want. So the question is, how badly do you want something? And that will determine what your negotiating style is. One end of the spectrum is this. If I don't get what I want, I'm leaving. I'm walking out the door. I'm leaving on a jet plane. Don't know when I'll be back again. Oh, Lord, I hate to say goodbye. But if you don't give me what I want, that's what I shall do. But that's not a reasonable request. Don't tell me what's reasonable. It is very reasonable that we do the project this way at work. It is very reasonable that we stay at the following hotel on business. It is very reasonable that we change our production, that we change the way we sell, that we change the commission structure. It applies to anything. When you want something to the point where you will not do any compromising, 
The style of negotiation you choose is on one total end of the spectrum. Do it my way or I won't do it. People call you petulant, bossy, inflexible. You're not any of those. You're negotiating. So now we've given you the two extremes, right? I'm easygoing or I'm a biggest pain in the neck of all time. If you have something that you care a lot about to the point that you will not do the activity unless the activity is done the way you want it done, then you will negotiate right up to the point where you cannot convince people to do it your way and then you leave. Now, what's one step to the left of that? Do it my way. Well, wait a minute. Do you know that there's different possibilities here when we do the commission structure for sales? There's different ways that we could arrange the furniture in the apartment. Yeah, but I want it here. Let me explain to you a possible way that we could do it that you may like. How many of you by definition say I don't like it, even if you do like it because you're standing on ceremony? Because you think that if you give in, it shows weakness. I couldn't agree with you more. You can't give in on something that you're willing to leave before you don't get the way you want unless it's really not something that you will leave for if you don't get what you want. So then you go down the scale. Ooh, that looks good. I could possibly rally around that. I want to go to that movie. Well, what about this one? It's playing 10 minutes later, a different theater, but it does have Will Smith in it. Oh, I consider that, but I really wanted to see the one with Russell Crowe because I have a tattoo of him on my leg. But let me, let me read about it. Let me look at the menu. That's a popular one when negotiating a restaurant. Let me read the review. Let me look at the pictures of the hotel. Let me do a spreadsheet to understand the amount of money I can make under your scenario versus my scenario. That shows a willingness to potentially be the tiniest bit flexible. And if you are willing to be flexible, then you negotiate all the way to the edge to get what you want. And then you give in right at the end because you test the person against whom you're negotiating to see whether or not they're willing to budge. Because the best way to win your negotiation is to know where on the scale of want is the person you are negotiating with. If you're negotiating with someone who cannot walk away from the table and you don't get everything you want, you suck. If you're negotiating with someone who couldn't give a flying rat's pituitary gland about what you want or about giving you what you want and you don't get what you want, you stink. If you are negotiating with someone who will walk away before getting exactly what he, she, or they want and you get one tiny thing, you are brilliant. So the number one thing you need and the number one technique I use to negotiate is that I spend the time before I start to understand where they are on the scale. I place the person and the issue on the scale and I act accordingly. When do I lose? Only when I've put them in the wrong part of the scale. Sometimes I put them in the wrong part of the scale, but I don't believe that I did because I'm on the right side of the scale all the time. So I say, no, they just don't realize where they are on the scale. I'm gonna keep arguing until they get to the part of the scale where I think they belong. That doesn't always work, actually. The reason it doesn't always work is that if both of you, when you're negotiating, do not realize where you are on the scale when it comes to an issue, there will be an impasse. That's what happens right before an argument. If two people know exactly where they are on the scale, 
then by definition, you will be able to get to a solution and the negotiation will be successfully completed. If one person doesn't know where they are on the scale, it is up to the other person to get them to the right place on the scale and convince them where on the scale they should be. And that's done in very simple sentences. I know you, I know you think you want this, but just listen, if this, this, and this happens, that will happen. If we do something this way, I assure you, you will like the result. Let me color your hair this color. I know you don't like, think you're going to like it, but I promise you when I'm done. Let me cut your hair. Let me do your nails. Believe me, if you do this exercise and eat this green juice food, you will look the way you want to look. And then at the end of the day, either you're right or wrong. So a second negotiation between the two same people where the first negotiation included an inducement for someone to change where they thought they were on the scale. And it turns out you were wrong about where they were and you're wrong about where you put them. The second time, you're going to have a much harder time negotiating with that same person because they're not going to believe that you're going to lead them to the right place. Do you return to your stylist when they turn your hair purple and you wanted it yellow? Do you return to a store where they treat you wrong and give you a size 29 when it turns out that it's labeled 29, but it turns out to be 35? You find a new store. You find a new stylist. I love negotiating. You want to know what technique I recommend for you all? It's the technique of self-awareness. It starts with you being aware of where you are on the scale, and then it is practice. Pay attention to everything you do during the day and tell me that you're not negotiating 22 times per day. That's negotiating, folks. Get your mind out of the gutter. Negotiating 22 different things throughout the day. You're in a taxi. I think we should take Second Avenue. No, I like taking Madison. Those go different directions. Fine. How about Lex? I prefer Second. I prefer Lex. Let's see. Those are New York streets. That's an example of a negotiation. You're at a restaurant. Do you want to share a plate? Do you want to share food? I'm looking at this, this, and this. Do you want to share? That's a negotiation. Talking to your kids about anything. You're negotiating all night long, Lionel Richie. Your significant other, family members, producers, bosses, anybody. It's a negotiation, not just about money. Everything you do. Count to 22 with me. And tell me if you get there. <sighs> this is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. All right, Coca. Ooh. When you were in baseball, did you aspire to do more than be president of a team? Did you want to work for baseball itself? Thank you. So... The only thing higher than president of a team would be owner of a team. And I would love to be the owner of a team. And the reason I would love to be the owner of a team is because is that that's second time in one show, Coca, that's a veritable outrage. The reason why you want to be the owner is the owner is the only person without a boss. Presidents have bosses. Everybody has a boss. Now, I could tell you a funny story that owners have bosses too. I could say that owners have to report into their bankers, believe it or not. The people who lend them money, they have to do reporting. They have to go do lunches and dinners and phone calls. Chairman of the board or chair, pe- chair people of the board. Is that what we're supposed to say now? I'm sorry. Chair people of the board. A chairwoman, a chairperson. They report to a board. They got to keep the board satisfied or else they'll get voted out. They got to suck up to the compensation committee. Owners sometimes think they report to the commissioner, but they don't. The commissioner reports to them. But in general, owners don't have bosses of baseball teams. They're sort of single entity assets, right? If you own a McDonald's franchise, you are you, everyone reports to you within the McDonald's, but you still report to the mothership. Even if you think you don't, you do. So really, everyone has bosses. So when I was president, yeah, I wanted to be an owner, but there's something else I wanted to do that I never did. And when I saw this question and wanted to put it in an episode, the reason that I included it is that you said the following in your question. Did you aspire to do more than be president of the team? More, sometimes people would say is higher, more money, higher up the chain. There were times that I wanted to be in the grounds crew There were times that I wanted to be a third base coach. Always, I wanted to be a player. When I wanted to be in sales, I'd go on sales calls. When I wanted to be in marketing, I'd sit on the marketing meeting. When I wanted to be in finance, I'd meet with the CFO and treasurer. When I wanted to be in baseball, I'd talk to the GM every single day. When I wanted to be in the commissioner's office, I would be on committees and call up the commissioner or people in the office, learn about what they were doing. If you are in your company and you do not aspire to be more than what you are doing, then you need to really give it a lot of thought why you're doing what you're doing. Being satisfied and being stagnant is the same as being nothing. Don't ever be satisfied. Hamilton had a great song. He's never going to be satisfied. I can't sing it on tune. I can't even rap it on tune. I was never satisfied. It's been my personality since I was a child. I was never satisfied with anything. I wanted more. I wanted another adrenaline rush. I wanted more dopamine. I wanted more experiences. I wanted higher grades. I wanted to be better at sports, better at school. I wanted to be better at everything. I wanted to be a true jack of all trades. And I ended up being good at everything and great at nothing. I spread myself so thin 
that I ended up being good at almost everything I tried. But an expert, no. I'm not an expert at baseball or with players or running a team or being a lawyer or being an executive or selling newspapers or doing a podcast or doing a show, being on the radio, being on a dinghy or a pirate ship or wherever I am. I'm an expert on none of it. But I can weave in and out of the obstacle course that is life because I want more always. He's never going to be satisfied. So did I aspire to work? Did I aspire to do more? Yeah. Do you know why you should? And I'm going to get some pushback here. And the reason that I'm going to get pushback is I believe that some of you are saying right now, I love where I am. I couldn't be happier. I love my life, whether it's simple or complicated. I love my job, whether I'm rich, middle-class or poor. I love my kids, whether they're good, bad or indifferent. I love my family. I love my friends. I'm good. There's some people who answer the question, how are you doing? Fine. I'm guilty of that sometimes. I'm a steady six. I don't want that. I don't want to be the merry-go-round. Do you ever see Parenthood? The movie Parenthood, the grandma at the end of Parenthood was Steve Martin. She tells a story to Steve Martin and his wife in the movie, Mary Steenburgen. And it's a movie with Jason Robards and Tom Hulse, Keanu Reeves, Martha Plimpton, Diane Weist, Rick Moranis, just a Joaquin Phoenix. One of my favorite movies. The grandmother tells a story saying, you know, what's funny about life is that some people like the merry-go-round. It goes around and around and around. And you see the same thing as you're going around. I always like the roller coaster, the up, the down, the anxiety of the up, followed by the thrill of the down, the slight nausea that you feel both on the way up and the way down. Merry-go-round is just boring. I never wanted my life to be boring because life is so finite. It ends so quickly, whether you die young tragically or die of old age in your sleep or whenever you die, it's always too soon. It's never the right time. There's never a convenient time to die. That's for sure. Some deaths are called. They're not tragic. He lived a good life, a full life. People judge that in years. Some people die young and they lived a more full life than people who died 100. I don't know why I was talking about this, Coca. My brain gets me a little sidetracked sometimes. Did I want to work inside the commissioner's office? Oh, I know what I was telling you, is that the reason I like never being satisfied, the reason I like the roller coaster is for me, life is about points of reference. I don't mind feeling badly sometimes because I love when I feel great that I can remember what it's like when I felt badly. I know when I feel great that eventually I'm going to feel badly. And I don't mean in a manic way. I mean, in a reference way. How do you know if you feel well, if you've never felt like crap? How do you know if you're happy, if you've never been sad? How do you know if something's funny, if you've never thought something to be stupid or not funny? How do you know to laugh if you've never cried? I don't quite understand how people can go through life not knowing different emotions. And I'm not the most emotional guy. So it's not based on emotions. It's based on experiences and frames of reference. So if I had a chance to work in the commissioner's office, I would. I love the opportunity to do as many things as I can, as well as I can, learn as much as I can, because every day, no matter how old you are, you're going to learn something more today. 
If you close your eyes at the end of the day and you can't think of one thing that you learned or one thing that you did that you loved, and I don't care what it is, you want to watch TV all day, do it. But by watching TV all day, keep your brain moving. Research something. Think about something. That's why nothing personal appeals to me so much in Tacoka, because every day we get to exercise our brain and think about topics to bring to you, think about ways to make you think about things you otherwise may not want to think about or do think about, but now I force you to think about it and you don't shut me off. You keep downloading, subscribing. Life is about aspiring to do more than you're doing right now. And then when you do it, to enjoy that moment and then to look for the next moment, always be looking always be closing. So then one of you asked me, given the opportunity, would you ever, ever consider leading the players union? What would be your first point of negotiation? After everything I just said, let me answer that question. Would you ever consider leading the players union? Nope. <laughs> now, is that the most inconsistent, hypocritical thing that I've ever said? I love experiences. David, would you like to work for the Players Union? I get that a lot. Would you like to be an agent? Why aren't you an agent? You should be an agent. I had agents telling me I should be agents when I was president of the team. Once I was done with Jeter, people said, did you see Jeter's tweet, Coca? Side note. So I don't know when this you're going to listen to this, but there was just a tweet. And, I, and Coca said, to, okay, double side note. Get me back, Coca, when you need to. Coca said, listen. We don't know when we're going to be releasing these because you're filming them and then you're going away and you're totally undialing. You're not going to have Wi-Fi. You're not going to have a phone. You're going to disappear. Therefore, don't say anything like yesterday this happened or talk about something that happened today or something that's going to happen tomorrow because you don't know when I'm going to release it because I'm in charge of your feed when you're gone. I'm in charge of your Twitter when you're gone. Wink, wink, wink. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe. So just don't do that. So I just said, yeah, yesterday. Well, hint. Do you know how to know what day of the week it is? Has anyone figured that out yet? Have you thought to ever look at my facial hair on Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel? Have you ever figured out the plan, my shaving plan? I have a shaving plan. Shocking that I have a plan, but I have a plan. Do you know what day it is today? Can you tell? Hmm, you should be able to. So Jeter sent a tweet saying, send something to me and I'll sign it. And here's the charge. It costs a grand if you send me this. It costs 500 if you send me that. It costs 1800 if you send me this. So I tweeted, hey, what if I send you an employment contract? I thought that was funny. It made me laugh, which half the reason for Twitter or anything is to make me laugh and smile and think and learn and grow. I don't know why I was thinking about Jeter at all. At all. Oh, would I ever want to go back into baseball? Would I ever want to be an agent? Would I ever want to work for the union. So I never say never, even though Coca says I say never all the time, but you know very well, saying never is a very silly word to say because you never know what's going to happen on a particular moment, on a particular day, in a particular situation. You don't know how you're going to react when given the opportunity. If the phone call came to me and the call did come to me to be an agent when I was done with baseball and I politely declined, and the reason I politely declined is because I've been with agents nonstop for 18 years. I know exactly what the job is of an agent. 
I've watched them do their job. Now it would be totally different from the outside. I had a conversation with Tom Kohler, who is becoming an agent, is an agent. I had a conversation with the Derek Jackson, who was our general counsel with the Marlins, who's now an agent, and talked about life as an agent, the amount of work you do, the amount of babysitting you do, the amount of attention you have to give each player just for you to get poached by another agent right as the player is about to get paid, the amount of investment you have to make in a player before you hit it, the amount of blocking and tackling, the amount of line and insanity that goes on. So I politely declined. But if I were asked to lead the players union, my initial reaction was no. When I was preparing for this show and I saw that question, I said, my answer is no, because I know exactly what it is to be the head of a players union. But I've thought about it more, and the answer is yes, I would do it, and here's why. Because I would want one collective bargaining negotiating session, one cycle, one set of grievances, one set of arbitration from the other side so I could help the commissioner's office understand how to be better. Unions were not invented for players whose average salary has seven figures. Unions were invented for workers who had no one representing their interests, who lived below the conditions of the lowest human being ever has lived. Unions were meant to protect those workers, to give them rights. The players' union is not that. But my first point of negotiation, you ask, were I to be the head of the players' union, would be quite simple. Is there any chance that I can convince you, the commissioner, any chance at all to raise the minimum payroll salary to $2 million? Any chance? Well, no, that's ridiculous. We, the minimum's already gone up too high. Yeah, but that's what I want. I'll take money off the top to put money back at the bottom. Spoiler alert, that could happen this next collective bargaining because the players' union's finally getting smart. Young players are gold because they're cheap. Owners will give on this issue. They're going to say they won't, folks. They're going to say, I will fight to the end. Do you know where they are on the negotiating scale? They're going to walk away from the table if you demand $2 million. They're going to lock you out and they're not going to play a season if you demand $2 million. Horse hockey. They only are going to tell you they're at that place on the negotiating scale but they're not. That is not an issue that they will die for. And that is meaningful to your constituents because players who are on the train from AAA to the major leagues and back and back and back and take a look at your transactions page for your favorite team and look at the number of players each and every day, each and every week, month of the season who are going back and forth. John Cocktoston was optioned to round rack of the Pacific Coast Association. In a move today, the team called up John Cocktoston to replace Jane Doe. Dr. Rosen Rosen was put on the disabled list. And here comes Mr. Sid Finch. These are players who make a minor league salary when they're in the minor leagues and a major league salary when they're in the major leagues. Let's say the minimum is $162,000. It's just easy math. That's $1,000 a game. When you are called up, you get paid by the day, but I'm pretending you get paid by the game, but just pretend that's by the, by the game for math purposes. It's $1,000 a day 
or a game. When you're in the minor leagues, it may not even be $10 or $100. Say it's $100. It's just easier that way. So the raise for that player for that day is from 100 to 1,000. Plus that player gets a day of service toward a pension, toward arbitration. It is what every player wants. The owners know it, and I don't understand why you, the union, don't know it. Players want service time. Players want money earlier. Get the minimum raised as high as you can. That would be the first point that I would negotiate. Hard stop. Thank you. Next question. What would it take for you to get back into working for a sports team as president? Have you come anywhere close in your discussions with teams since leaving the Marlins in 2017? I put that question in because I've addressed this on nothing personal. And I want to be clear to you again, for those of you worried that I'm going to go back into baseball, how could you be? Are you not paying attention? Do you think there's another show out there? And this is not ego talking. This is other people telling me this. Mostly people I pay to tell me things I want to hear. I'm just kidding. I don't do that. I never did that, actually. I, we would actually pay things to tell us things we didn't want to hear. Makes us a better organization. Oh, my God, you guys were such a horse hockey organization. That person must not have done his job well, or her, or there. What would it take to get me back to work for a team? Is there a number? Should I just say $10 million a year? Should I say give me Andrew Friedman's contract or Theo Epstein's new contract when he joins his next team? Should I say $5 million? Should I say $1 million? Should I say $200,000? Should I say that I miss the camaraderie so much that I would do it for free? I like when people say that. I want it so much, I'd pay you to do it. I love that so much that I would pay you anything. Don't ever say that. Don't ever tell people you do something for free because then they'll have you do it for free. You are worth what you are paid. People pay you for what you are worth to them, not to yourself. Don't judge yourself based on your paycheck. How many people do that? Hey, I'm rich. That means I'm awesome and funny and tall and dark and handsome. Tall, dark, and handsome. Three words that have never been associated with David Philip Sampson. It's not about money. <laughs> That's not true, Coca. If I were offered a huge amount of money to go take over the Mets, oh my God, would it have to be huge? If I were offered a huge amount of money to go work for another team, I would want to know who the owner was. No, I wouldn't. It wouldn't matter to me. I've worked with every type of owner. Our, my owner that I worked for was every type of owner. There were moments that he was the greatest person in the world to work for. There were moments he was the most difficult person in the world to work for. There were moments in between. There were moments when I disagreed with him. There were moments when I agreed with him. And there were moments when I didn't care enough to either agree or disagree. The key to being good at what you do is to know which is which. That's the theme of this show is the self-awareness of knowing which is which, of knowing where you are on the negotiating scale, of knowing whether or not there is a price for your love or a price you're willing to pay to get material things or to have what is perceived as comfort in life when in fact, maybe it's just discomfort that you crave. The reason why, if you are a nothing personal fan, you know very well that I would not go back to working in baseball is because then the show would be boring as F. How many people are out there talking, former executives, former GMs, 
former players, and they want nothing more than to be back in the room where they thought it all happened. They want nothing more than to get back in the game, get another job. So they're not going to say anything too controversial. They're not going to say anything of substance. They're not going to give away the codes to the nuclear arsenal. That's how baseball and sports people guard what they do. That's why people are so shocked and Lebetard will say on his show, he'll tell it to you in ways that no one else will say it. There's no executive who's done what he has done who's willing to say the things he's willing to say. That's because they all want another job again, no matter how old they are, no matter what they do for a living, no matter how far removed they are from the game, they want back in. They want it so bad they can taste it, they can smell it or they've got friends on the inside. I don't want to upset my friend. Spoiler alert, they're not your friends. So as a longtime listener to Nothing Personal, you know very well that I don't want to get back in. Therefore, it would take something significant. You want to know how close I've come in discussions with teams since leaving the Marlins? There's one thing I don't do in business. (laughs) Let me rephrase that. In this specific instance, the one thing I don't do is lead anyone on, whether it is an owner or the commissioner himself or someone in the commissioner's office. I do not want anyone to think that I want something that I don't want because I'm far too direct. I'm far too clear with what I want and how to get it. I can see the pathways as blind as I am personally. As so many blind spots that I have in my personal life, I have very few in my business life. I can see what's coming around the corner pretty clearly. Personally, I can't see anything. And by the time I see it, it's an oncoming truck. And I said, oh my God, that's such a beautiful light. Oh my God, I'm about to get run over by an oncoming semi. But in business, I know where everyone is. I could play Frogger. I could go Frogger on the 95, on the 495, on the 80, on 9A. Exit 60B, I could negotiate and find without a map from Kirsten Dunst because I can see it happening. And what I could see happening at the end of a conversation with an owner or the commissioner or his office is, hey, let me look around. Let me think about it. Let's talk more. I don't want to do that because I don't want to get to where they're thinking I want to get to. And so why would I lead them on? And once you get the word out enough, then the calls stop coming or the conversations start changing. Have you ever been asked by a friend to do something? Hey, do you want to have dinner? Nope. Next week, do you want to to have a drink? Nope. Busy, work. Hey, a bunch of us are going out. You want to join us? Nope. Thank you. You like the fact that you have the power to say no, and then you get super sad when they don't stop calling, right? How come that guy never calls me anymore? How come I never invited out for drinks anymore? How come nobody calls me to work for another team anymore? You can't feel badly when those calls stop when you made it clear time and time and time again that you don't want what they're offering or what they're selling. I'm not buying what you're selling. Please keep selling it to me. Why? Why? What's the purpose of that? Save the time. Do you think one of the calls you're going to get, you're going to say, you know what? Oh my God, I just realized. I do want that extended warranty. I don't think so. I don't even know how to end this, Coca. Don't tell me in my ear I got to end it. I'm ending it. Do I? I'm not going to the next question. We'll do that next episode. Do I just? Okay, I'll do it. So that's our show for today. Remember, 
That's our show for today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.